here we are now with another episode of the Andrew Lake podcast. Today I'd like to talk about nudity. And I'd like to also share some stories about experiences at the nude beach. Have you ever been to a nude beach? There are many countries around the world which have authorised nude beaches. And of course, in some countries, they don't need to be authorised. They simply are nude beaches. (laughs) How I would love to live in one of those countries. Maybe I'll move there one day. (laughs) Is your country one of those? Let me know, because I'd like to consider moving there just for the, the fun of being able to go to the nude beach. And more sort of jokes aside or fun aside i mean i don't i don't mean to put the fun aside we can have we can have a bit of fun with this episode today with this conversation today i very much want to do it in a lighthearted manner but more deeply i want to talk about nudity as an experiential awareness technique now if that's too much of a mouthful let me just remind you again what an experiential awareness technique is, or at least how we define it here today for the purposes of this conversation here. So let's say each day you have a collection of experiences, and these are mundane experiences. They're normal to you. You have the experience of waking up in the morning, the experience of having your breakfast, getting ready for the day, the experience of doing your work or whatever you do during the day. You have the experience of having your lunch. You have the experience of your afternoon. You have your experience of coming home or whatever you do in the late afternoon, the experience of having dinner, and the experience of going to bed. And you sort of have a regular occurrence of these experiences. So they're familiar to you. And you wouldn't necessarily consider them as experiences because they don't make a very big impression on you because they're just normal. They're just normal everyday-to-day things. Now, with an experiential awareness technique, what we want to do is give you a experience which is not normal. It's something different to what you are used to. So, in essence, it's a new experience. And we contrive this scenario or this situation in such a way as that we say, okay, this is going to be a new experience for you and we're doing it for the purposes of expanding your experiences. And furthermore, we give you this experience with the intention of having it spill over into the other experiences you have. So for a very intense experiential awareness technique, we might even say, like on the the far end of this extreme, we're going to give you this one-off experience. So you're only going to do it once. You're only going to go through it once. And it's going to be very deeply far out of 
the range of your normal experiences, and it's going to be a very powerful experience. Now, I've been fortunate enough to experience these sorts of things and to explore these sorts of things for myself. And those sorts of things spill over very deeply into the rest of your life, into the rest of your normal, everyday-to-day sorts of experiences. So with getting naked, (laughs) we want to turn nudity into one of these experiences. And it's not exactly black or white or powerful experience or not powerful. Like this this dichotomy of new experience and mundane experience, it breaks down because we're really really navigating differences. And there are subtleties, there are variations, there are different flavors, there are different scenarios. There's a whole different range of things. So keep that in mind as our definition of an experiential awareness technique. Do you like being naked? Have you ever been naked in public? How does it feel to be naked? Both by yourself or around other people? How do you feel to be naked in in front of your special love or your loved one? Now, however you answer these questions... There is a boundary which can be expanded, crossed, explored, which will open you up to new experiences. And in essence, that's the consciousness part of the experiential consciousness technique. Consciousness, well, often I feel that word creates more confusion than clarity. So I usually try to stay away from it. But in essence, for the purposes of this conversation today, we can define consciousness as something that brings you, something that is just beyond what you are, something slightly bigger than what you are. So if we say, where's the line between you and something else? And we say, your consciousness expanding is just beyond that. So we're trying to expand what you are. So in the most condensed way, consciousness is boundary expanding. And then in another way, consciousness is boundary dissolving. Or at least we should should say consciousness techniques or consciousness work, working on the consciousness, working on our consciousness. It's not so much what consciousness is. Like this this thing, what is consciousness, that's irrelevant to this conversation. We don't need to answer that. Forget forget about any theories or definitions or philosophies or anything like that. Just, just forget about consciousness and just understand that we're working on consciousness. And it doesn't, you don't really even need to know what that is to work on it. You just do the technique, you do the experiences, and then you will learn. That's how you learn. Because we can say, well, that, that's one big difference between learning. And if you want to learn what consciousness is in a theoretical or a philosophical sense, then yes, go off and find that answer. And we, we, we might have that conversation sometime. What, what is consciousness? But... For today, let's just work on 
this assumption that we're working on our consciousness. doesn't matter what it is, we're just working on it and we want to experience it. So getting naked is an experience which dissolves your boundaries because your clothes are a boundary between your body and the world. And your comfort zone, how you feel about being naked around others, is another boundary. And you can step closer and closer towards that boundary. You can be approaching it and feeling the difference and noticing the difference. And going to the nude beach is one of the ways you do that. And there are a whole lot of little uh, nuances and little things and little tricks that we'll talk about as we talk about that more and as I share about that more. But now let's, before we do that, let's do, let's do a little bit of a history. And, and I don't mean to be scholarly or anything like that. We can just do this in a, a lighthearted sort of way and a sort of amateurish sort of, sort of way as we us- usually do proceed here together. So let's ask ourselves, where did nudity begin? Who was the first nudist? And which was the first culture to have nudity? Where in the world and in what time in human history? And if I think about this, well, I think back to the archaic period, which is pre-agriculture, pre-settled society. This was tribal hunter-gatherer period of human history. And in that period, actually, in a sense, there was no such thing as nudity. There was no boundary between naked and not naked. And these tribes that would live live in the wilderness and live out in nature full time and travel the lands to live off the land... They would just be naked. And you sometimes see photos of them. These cultures sometimes still exist in, in, in various forms, of, in various amounts of purity. And for them, there was no line between nudity and not nudity or being covered. Now, d- don't make the mistake of thinking now, are they liberated? Are they free? Because actually, it's undifferentiated. It's not a boundary that's been dissolved. It's a boundary that's fused. And there's a difference. So archaic, well, this is actually one of the principles of the archaic period of humanity. It's undifferentiated. Everything is one. And it's a, that, that oneness is very different to the, the most cutting edge levels of human development where we're talking about oneness. That oneness, those two onenesses are very different. And the difference is the differentiation and the complexes that are within. And also this comes across in the art of the archaic period. 
So if you think of the caveman doing a cave painting, there are a number of different things they paint. But one of them, and one of the prominent things that came up again and again in many different geographical regions in the archaic period, in these cave paintings, was the picture of the woman. So it would be a crude, basic painting, as rough as it can be, but still just enough to make out that it was a woman. And actually, in those periods, the woman was also the considered the god. So the god figure, the god as a man, has not always been the case. And in the period where the woman was the one giving birth, and birth was still quite a mysterious process, and remember there was a time, there must have been a time in human history when sex and pregnancy, the, the connection wasn't made. There must have been. So in that sort of time period, the woman was the the mother figure. They were the power figure. They were the goddess. And these figures of naked women with their parts which are like their breasts. So the breast is, well, you can say it's a sexual part, but you can also say it's a fertility part. It's the symbol of their fertility. So in that age, and in these cultures, the idea of God and nudity and the woman, they're undifferentiated. They're all fused together. And then we come forward a few tens of thousands of years, and we have our Victorian culture where we have basically the opposite of nudity. Now, have you ever asked yourself what the opposite of nudity is? Is it simply wearing clothes? What if we to what if we were to put this into an extreme? And this is what I've come up with when I just think about this for myself, and it's the Victorian period of high nobility fashion. So if you look at these women, they have these huge elaborate dresses that go out from the waist, very, very, very far out, and all the way down. And then their waist is very, very thin. And there's all these coverings. There's all these frills and these jewelries and these delicate details and these, f- f- like, oh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know the words for them, but there's all these different things. And they cover their full arms. And they've got this thing around the neck and their hair is done in a certain way. And it's this huge, elaborate thing which would have taken a lot to put on and a lot to maintain, and it conceals the shape of the woman. It conceals what her body is like. And yet somehow it still shows a... It's still got a beauty to it. It's still got an expression of something. It's not necessarily bad. And of course also there are other cultures... And I'm not just talking about the Victorian, this Western culture, but there are other cultures such as these 
Arab cultures, which have women covering themselves in the burqa and all sorts of derivatives of that. So it comes up in different ways. This non-nudity, this anti-nudity, this, this differentiation by an extreme of the op- opposite. And we didn't always have nudity. Well, well, this brings me to the next point in our history, which is sort of back from... So if we've raced forward to the Victorian period, now let's go back a few thousand years. So we've gone from the archaic period, which is hundreds of thousands of years ago, and we come forward to the Victorian period, which is like, what is that? You know, 1500s, 1600s, 1700s, this sort of thing. And then we go back to the Greek period. So that's 2000 BC sort of era, 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 ancient Greek times. And in that period, we do have nudity. And we have these wonderful sculptors like, you know, the, the sculpture of David. It's probably the most famous one. Michelangelo's David. Well, he's naked. And he's naked for a reason, which is that he's showing himself. There's no boundary between him and the world. And of course, in our culture, we have, well, let's not get to the modern period just yet, but I'll just say that in that period, sexuality was not attached to nudity like it is today. So David isn't standing there in a sexual manner. And actually, the story of David goes that he's confronting Goliath. So it's a biblical story. And that is the hero showing himself against adversity, stepping up to put what he really is up against evil. It's a story of good, good and evil. And if we get into the biblical stories, well, ask yourself about nudity in that period. That's, that's before ancient Greece. That's the, that's, the, that's the mythic period of human history. And so now we're talking 5,000 years or more ago. And in that, we have the story of Adam and Eve. And really, in the, the story of Adam and Eve, that really does pinpoint this moment in human history where the archaic period split into the mythic period. And that was a critical turning point. That was a, a, a species-defining moment. It was a, it was a shift in consciousness. It was a shift up a level of consciousness. And that moment, because of course, the story goes, uh, let me just rehash the story of Adam, e- Adam and Eve. I'm assuming you know it. Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Heaven, the Garden of Geth. No, not the Garden of Gethsemane. That's that's Jesus. The Garden of Eden, and it's all beautiful, hunky dory. It's like a paradise on earth. And then Adam eats the sin, the sinful apple, and Eve does the same. And at that moment, they know the difference between good and bad. So it's not exactly that everything was good before they knew the difference between good and bad, the knowledge of good and evil. It was that they were undifferentiated. And this symbol, this symbolic action of 
putting on clothes goes with the split, the fragmentation, the the polarizing. It's the beginning of the polarizing. It's the fork in the road between nudity and evil on the other. <laughs> it's the it's the knowledge of good and evil, the shame and the expression of joy on the other. So there's a lot in that. I mean, the, the, the story of Adam and Eve has so many different significances to it. And this is just one angle that we're coming at it, is the, the, the difference between archaic and mythic. And, and really this boundary, it, it's, it's just another boundary, good and evil, knowledge and ignorance, freedom and restraint. These are all just boundaries which we and, 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 and we all just bring them back to this difference between wearing clothes and not wearing clothes. So if we continue on in our little history, we've got the mythic period, we've got our Greek period, and then we've got our Victorian era, and then we come along to the Renaissance. And the Renaissance is, in a sense, the revitalizing of certain ideas. It's the bringing back to life of things that were okay, but were through a very complicated process of cultural evolution shut down or turned into taboos. It's, it's, it's so hard to talk about culture in such simple terms. It's such a complex thing. Like, I, I don't know if we really can say how, well, I don't know. I mean, how do you feel this, this thing of the evolution of nudity? And it's a bit of a stretch to say, well, let's just leave, leave all, all culture out of it and just say that within the Renaissance period, there was a resurgence of nudity. And that's why we start to have nude paintings in the Renaissance. And there's really something to be learnt from nude art because, of course, in those days, they would paint from life. They would paint from a live model, which means that the painter had actually seen this person naked. They'd spent time sitting there, standing, working away, staring at them naked. And there's something very, very powerful about that. Very opening for someone to see you naked. This whole thing of allowing the whole world to see you naked. And of course, even in the Renaissance period, sexuality was treated differently. There was, a, there was a beauty in nudity, which was devoid of sexuality. And as our art history goes, nudes became sort of like a thread that went through every genre. Sort of like a subcategory of every genre. So in your... In your cubism, in your surrealism, in your postmodernism, and now in your hyperrealism, 
They're all artists. They're all different versions of nudity. And they all have their own take on it. They all have their own comment on it. So that's a little bit about the history of nudity. And it's by no means exhaustive. It's a very it's a very rich history and there's a lot to see in art. And there are a lot of different meanings to what the nude meant. It wasn't always such the sense of oh showing myself to the world or vulnerability. And there are different symbolisms or uh, what what do we call like th- things that are implied, like the, the the male penis in some Renaissance arts art is actually drawn quite small. And on first glance, you could say, well, it must have been very cold, <laughs> and maybe it was. But actually, also there's a significance to it. There's a symbolic significance to it, which is that the man's passion is not overriding him. He's not a slave to his testosterone. He has got his sexuality and more generally his passions as integrated. And we can say he's suppressed them or whatever. And we can make all sorts of discussions about, well, were they sexually repressed or were they just denying their sexuality? And really, they just need to get a big, nice big heart on that's that's a funny conversation. That would be very fun to argue over. But generally speaking, in art circles, we have the small penis to represent the understanding or the integration of a man's passion into who he is. And of course, there's the famous painting of God reaching out, touching the finger. So <laughs> these they're such a... <laughs> I, I I just laugh because there's so many. We we live in the postmodern era, so there's so many. <laughs> there's so many recontextualization. Like, how many, how many send ups of the Mona Lisa have you seen? I mean, have you seen how many there are? <laughs> and it's the same with the nudes now. I mean, it's the same with all Renaissance art. So, it's very funny. But anyway, let's let's move on in our conversation because I think that's enough for the history of nudity and how it's come across in our art in a few different cultures. So for nudity as a boundary-dissolving technique, here are some things you can try. In essence... Just getting naked in public, and I recommend you do this at an authorized nude beach, just that in itself is liberating. You can feel the freedom. And just being in nature and walking around somewhere, you can go to a bushwalk somewhere, you can go somewhere private, you can go somewhere where no one's around, and just get naked, and the initial instinct might be, well, this will just flare up my sexuality. And in a sense, yes, there is something sexual about being naked. But when you're outdoors, and you're in nature, and you're in a a more harsh environment than 
depending on the weather and depending on where you are, it's, it's more harsh than just being in your room where you're protected and sheltered. Just that is enough to wear down the difference between your sense of freedom and your sense of nudity as sexual, sexual nudity. And as it happens, when I go to the nude beach, well, well, if I can talk about myself for a bit, I've made a habit since I've been here to go to the nude beach a little bit every now and then. And I'm really lucky because there's a bushwalk down. So it's quite a trek to get there because it's isolated. And I walk through nature. And there are all these different areas that I can go around and discover the bushes and there's a creek and these sorts of things. So just being in nature, naked, and noticing that you don't feel horny, you don't feel sexual, because usually the wind and the cold, if you're a man, actually makes it quite hard and... uh, that, that came out wrong. <laughs> it doesn't make it hard. Let's say that. <laughs> it's, it's a, I need to choose my words carefully when I'm describing this. Let, let me say it's more like it makes it difficult to get hard. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. So you take your clothes off and you're walking around and the wind and the environment will start to actually flatten out the different body parts and the different components to your body and you can work this to your advantage experientially and this is this is great for integration and this is great for sexual frustration if you're sexually frustrated then this is good for you because usually our body parts are isolated and accentuated or decreased depending on the clothes we wear. So if you're a woman, you're wearing bra, and that's really accentuating your breasts. And if you're a man, when you go to the toilet, you have a fly, so you just whip it out, and it's almost like you just have this thing. You have this thing which is just attached to you. It's a separate part. Like, why do I have this thing? And of course, if you're if you're sexually frustrated, it can at times feel like, why do I have this thing on me? <laughs> So that, that's fragmentation. That's unintegrated. It's not harmonious. You have parts which are not harmonious. And when you jerk off, which is a, 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 a fragmenting habit, you're using one part of your body, your hand, to touch the other part, your, your organ, your machinery. And that also leads to an unharmonious relationship between the parts of your body so you want the parts to be working together to be whole and to be harmonious so you get naked and then you walk out into nature and then you don't have the clothes on you accentuating the different parts of your body and this means that at first well the parts that are restricted will feel happy so you might get a little bit excited at first, but then you'll be around in some wind, some wind will come and it will blow on all parts and you'll feel it going across your skin, and then you'll be in the sun and the warmth will be even, it'll be the same warmth on one part as it will be on the other, whereas normally when you have clothes it's different, and then you might go for a swim, and then you'll have water evenly on all your parts, and 
what I recommend if you really want to go into this is go and stand somewhere where it's a bit windy and it's in the sun and you stand very still and each time a gust of wind comes, you notice which parts of the body the wind is flowing on, which parts of the body are not having wind. Where is the wind going? And really feel the wind. And if you stand still, and you med- it's basically standing meditation. This is what I'm saying. So you do standing meditation naked in nature, in public. And doing this will help you identify these differences and you'll feel these subtleties. And as you go deeper into this, you'll find more harmony. You'll find more of a oneness in your body and in of, in of your skin sensitivity. So that's one component of nudity. And, well, it, we could say it's also the second component because just, just being in nature and looking around trees and different rocks and water and flowers and different animals. There might be some lizards. We get a lot of lizards in Australia. And these sorts of things, that, that, that's really good for just going back to your natural state. It's a way of going back to and visiting that archaic stage of human development. And if we go into this with consciousness, well, then it's only going to help integrate some of your very lowest levels. Now, as for the vibe of the place, which is what I'm talking about here is the other people that are around. Now, one side of this is get naked somewhere where there's no one around. And then another side is you go somewhere public. And I, and I do suggest authorized nude beaches only so don't get arrested don't don't scare the children we want to respect the children if mum mums and bubs are there at least respect that that space we don't want to be scaring the children so go to an authorized nude beach but there you have the vibe and you have the added boundary of other people looking and this whole thing of other people looking is another boundary that you can explore. Because, of course, it goes two ways. You'll go out and you'll get naked and you will want to look at the other people that are around. What can you see? Who can you notice? Where are you going to sit? Are you going to sit very close? Are you going to sit right in the middle of the beach where everyone can see? And who's looking at you? Who can see you? Who's noticing you? Are you noticing them, noticing you, noticing them? These sorts of things. And you'll notice there's a, there's a pull on your head, which is which way your head turns when you want to either look or look away. Maybe <laughs> it might be in some cases you don't want to look. And that's, that's also part of the pull. So... Experiment with that, and well, the, the thing of there are guy, are there guys, or are there going to be gorgeous girls there? Are there going to be pretty girls? Oh, I want to really see the girls. Let's go to the nude beach and see naked ladies. Yeah, well, my experience is that, and I've heard this from other people as well. Actually, <laughs> there's usually not many girls at the nude beach, and if they are there, then they're usually there with a boyfriend, 
or they're much an, a much older couple. So usually the nude beach is men only and it's men showing off. And, well, then the next question is, well, are they all gay? <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, my experience is... My experience is that, yes, there is a high percentage of gay men there and it's sort of like a meet and meet and play sort of place, at least where the, where I am in the, the, the nude beach that I go to is a little bit like that. And I know a little bit of that goes on, but that's not why I, that's not why I go to the nude beach. And I think these people sort of, they, I imagine they still would have had this thing of nudity and sexuality fused together. And what I'm advocating here or what I'm saying to try here is leave the sexuality aside and use nudity as a way to a deeper freedom, a deeper openness and a deeper experience of what it's like for you to be in a place. So if you're gay, you can go to the nude beach to pick up, I guess. Make new friends. If that's something that interests you, then, well, then that's sexuality and nudity. But if you're not gay, well, then you can go to the nude beach and notice that you'll still probably look, you'll probably take a peek. Like this whole thing of, this whole thing of peeping toms, that's a... That's a pattern that men have, like the visual thing of looking at a body and having a response is ingrained in every man. Every man has it, and it's tied to his sexuality. It's related to his sexuality. So there's two, there's sort of two things you can do to to experiment with this as a boundary dissolving technique. One is you can go to the nude beach and say, okay, I'm not going to look at anyone. I'm, on, I'm only going to look straight forward. I'm only going to look in the place that is right in front of me. And I'm going to completely stick to myself and I'm not going to do any peeping toms. And you can hold yourself to that. And each time, you really have to have a certain amount of concentration to do this. And you have to be very aware that this is your goal if you're going to be doing this. Because every time you have something catch your field of vision, then you'll bring yourself back. And it might be that there is a naked lady walking past and you think, no, just stick to my guns. And there, you're starting to wear down this thing in you. You're starting to build a strength around this pattern that you have in you. And you can start to actually come out of this peeping Tom's attitude or this peeping Tom's condition, this peeping Tom's syndrome. (laughs) The peeping Tom's syndrome. (laughs) I'm a recovering peeping Tom's syndrome patient. (laughs) I've been working on my... I've been working on my... <laughs> I need to go to the nude beach to work on my peeping Tom syndrome. 
maybe that's the best way to put it. And well, I, I don't know. I mean, in, in my case, uh, it, it's still an ongoing process for me. So, I mean, I love women. I love beautiful women. And it's just gorgeous to look at them. And I, I, I don't, I try not to make too much of a habit. I mean, I'm quite aware these days because, well, the the reason I'm sort of, I wouldn't say over it, but I'm aware of it is because I've done this technique. I've actually gone to the nude beach and said, I'm not going to look at anyone. So that's one side that you can work into with this thing. I know that I said there was two. The other side is that you can actually not care that anyone sees you. And this is a tricky one because if you're a guy, you go to the nude beach and it's a cold day and there's wind, then you then your machinery gets really small. It shrivels up. And you're thinking, "Damn, I want to I really want to keep it warm. You know, I need to look good." I really want to show, you know, oh, this is how this is my good part. So you might be holding it or rubbing it or warming it or keeping it in the sun or whatever. And of course, that goes against this thing of oneness, this this thing of harmony between the parts. So when you're walking around and you have this small part, your your intention is to sort of hide or to cover. There's a shame there. And you can use that to walk, to, to lean into the boundary. So you're saying, no, this is all of me. I'm just going to accept all the parts equally. So I'm not going to try and warm my machinery. And I'm just going to accept that it looks small. And then I'm going to walk past these girls or these guys or these gay guys. And I'm just going to accept that this is how I am. And they can look. They can let them look. Just, And it might even be that you, you spread out and you lie down in the water, legs open, and your part looks so small. Your part is just tiny. It's all shriveled up and really... You don't look that good. And it might be that people walk past and you just say, I accept it. This is me. Let me just accept how I am. And that process of opening to your body, opening to the feeling of nudity, can experientially open you up to oneness. It can open you up to harmony. And this whole thing of, oh, should I look at this person? Oh, should I go near this person? Oh, what are they thinking about me? Oh, what if they see me? What do they see when they see me? This whole, this whole thing is just a mind tangle. It's just tangles in the brain. It's just tangles of the social sphere. It's your way of trying to make sense of the social sphere. And it's just tangles. It's just neuroses. So go to the nude beach with that in mind and sit and wait and accept yourself and don't care what others think. Now, another way of saying this is, well, the other component to this is that the people there are just strangers anyway. So who cares? doesn't matter. If you go there by yourself, then it doesn't matter. If you go there with friends, well, then the same process applies. 
And it might be very different. It might be very... Uh, I think I've been to the nude beach maybe once. I remember one occasion. It might have been twice where I went with one friend. And he's bigger than me, so <laughs> it was a bit uncomfortable for me. Ah, <laughs> uh, What I lack, I make up for in brains, maybe. <laughs> Let's not make this too much about me. <laughs> but the same processes apply when you go with someone. And you can actually become very good friends with someone when you get naked with them. And... This reminds me also of retreats. So I had a friend who told me the story and her experiences of nudity. And what she'd done is she'd actually gone to a med- like a meditation consciousness retreat, which was a nude retreat. And she said it was 20 girls for 10 days, and they were completely naked the whole time. Fully naked, all of them. And she she's telling me about this, and I'm like, wow, I'm a bit of a nudist. Tell me more about that. Should I go? And she laughed and said, would you like to be naked with 20 girls? <laughs> and of course, well, that's the sexuality side of it coming up. That's the question of sex, sex coming into it. And I thought, well, maybe, but Also, maybe not. Maybe I would feel very uncomfortable and very... That would take a lot for me to sort of come out of... I'd really have to come out of my shell. And then what if I'm... What if I do become sexual and then it doesn't work? Or how does it... Oh, these sorts of things like, oh, 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 it's the whole... It's the flare-up of the social sphere mind that comes out when I ask that. And I thought, well, I don't know. I mean, if it was me and 20 guys... That would be different if it was me and 20 girls, if I was the only guy. And then if it was mixed, well, I imagine I'd probably become sexually frustrated. Like I would just want to have sex and it would become very sexualized. And then also maybe there's that's part of the process and I would go beyond that and things would become clear about the difference between sexuality and the person-to-person interaction. And she was telling me about her experiences, and she said there's all sorts of bodies, all different sizes, all different shapes, all different ages, and they did all sorts of activities. They were swimming, they were doing meditation, they were playing tennis. Of course, I'm, I'm thinking, wow, this, this does sound like a bit of a, a fantasy, doesn't it? 20 girls doing these activities naked. And... She explained to me that there was this sense of real bondage and the sort of conversations and friendships they had were very deep because there's such an openness when you're talking to someone naked. And at the end of the 10 days, she said, everyone went to put their their clothes back on and she had this real deep sense of, no, no. This isn't right. No, you're hiding yourself from the world. And she said she noticed the difference in the conversations she had with all her friends after this deep experience. And they put their clothes back on for the last half day or whatever to get ready to leave the camp. 
And there was a big difference in the conversations and the tones. And of course, it doesn't mean they lost everything that they gained. There was still a very strong bondage there, as you would imagine. But the difference was very obvious. And it's not always obvious to us. What is the difference between freedom and bondage? We often talk about freedom like it's this big philosophical thing. Or we need some giant famous guru to teach us about it. Or it's the highest goal of human existence is freedom. Come out of your bondage and liberate yourself. Final liberation, as many of the religions say, such as Buddhism. But how do we get into that? How do we really get a sense of that experientially? And what I'm saying is, well, start with the simple things. Start with the basic thing of the freedom to be naked and the freedom to walk about as yourself and accept yourself as you are and really show yourself to the world. The other thing I'll mention is the the inner child. Now, if you go to the beach often enough in my country on certain days, well, certain days it's the family day. And you have the mums and dads with their kids there. And it's quite common to see the younglings stripping naked. And they run around naked. That's sort of culturally acceptable. That's okay. And when I thought about that, I thought, now, is getting naked a way of inhibiting the inner child? Is it a way of going back to childhood? And it could be, if that's your intention. And oftentimes I have been walking around the nude beach and I felt this sense of like, hee hee, isn't this funny? We're all naked. And then I would sort of wink at someone and then give them a wave and a smile. And they'd sort of look at me like, oh, what's that guy doing? That sort of thing. But that's the, that's the inner child, finding the inner child through nudity. So that's another thing you can experiment with. And then also, like, I want to comment culturally, like, what, what is it? The child's okay to get naked, but if I did that, I would get arrested. And that says something because I think, well, I'd love, I mean, I'd love to get in a culture where I could just go to the beach naked. And I could just walk around naked and have my shower naked. That would really be something that would really be liberating. But then also, when I think this through, I think, well, then there would be other naked people as well. And I'd say, well, where are the sexy women? Let's go have a look at the sexy women. And I'll walk up to them naked. Or someone might see me naked. And the, the, the thing of sex comes into it. And sex is really... It's one of those things that it it has restraints on it, like culture really restricts it because, well, well, it's a big one. It's a, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because you, you wouldn't want someone to just approach you naked. I don't think, well, maybe, maybe not. I mean, I mean, this gets at the deeper question, which is where is the line between how we relate to each other? and our cultural structures. 
which might be our cultural taboos. And even more formally than that, we have our laws, which is just an extension. So the court of law of don't get naked in public, that's just, a, that's just an extension and a formalizing and a solidifying of these cultural taboos, which is don't go up to people naked, don't have nudity around. And it's because of sexuality. It's because of sex. It's because sex is so, well, it's unpredictable. And it's, and it's also quite sacred. It's quite intense. So sex and nudity is a, is a tricky one to differentiate. And I like to think if that in my country nudity was okay, then I would be able to learn more about the difference between freedom and sexuality. And a lot of the time now, actually in our digital culture, in our digital age, nudity is... Very, I mean, I think in a lot of people's minds, adult nudity is very much fused with sexuality. And this is because of porn. The only reason you're naked is because you're having sex. And that's actually a big assumption. That's a big, uh, that's a big thing that people would believe. That you, I think a lot of people in my culture would agree with that. If you're, if you're naked, you're either having a shower or you're about to have sex. And of course, what I'm saying here as a consciousness technique of a way of understanding freedom and experiencing freedom, it's completely against that. We can say no, nudity can be used for so many things beyond that. Like why should the porn industry have a monopoly on nudity? Why should it ruin, why should it ruin our sexuality as well? Why should it ruin our freedoms? There's probably a lot I can say about the problems with porn and the negative effects of porn and porn as a, what should I say? It's a pro, pro the words on the tip of my tongue. It's a pro, something going wrong within you. What do you, what do you call a problem? Personal experiential problem. No, the word's not here. Sorry. It might come back to me, but maybe not. The negative effects of porn on our culture and how we deal with porn as a culture and what that says and conditions us into. Because now every kid has the internet in their pocket. And don't think they aren't at the first chance they get, looking up porn. Porn is, porn is more accessible now than ever throughout human history. And kids are getting it younger and younger and younger and more of it. You can safely assume, I think I've said this before, but I'll say it again here because it's relevant to what we're talking about. You can safely assume that if a kid has a smartphone, then they've looked at porn. And it might be even that they have a safe mode on them or a family mode on them, depending on their age. But just assume as soon as they get that chance, they're going to want to find out because they're curious. 
and the education system is impoverished. It tells us nothing about sexuality. It's all just biological, subjective, empirical sort of sciences. It says nothing about the experience, nothing about the qualities, nothing about the emotional content, nothing about the relationships. Yes, still in this modern age, our understanding of sex and nudity is very impoverished. And for me personally, I wish I, wish I had more sexual liberation. I wish it was easier for me to find sexual experiences. And I have explored a lot. I don't say that as someone who's resentful or feels like they've missed out. Like I have had my time and I have had meaningful meaningful relationships and big explorations and adventures with those people. But still, it's it's something that hangs over me. And that's partly why I go to the nude beach is to integrate my sexuality and to not have my machinery as an isolated part a fragmented part because I want to be whole I want to be harmonious so that's a few thoughts on nudity and sex and I realize in this conversation there are a lot of different points we can expand on and we can talk more about it I just thought I'd talk about getting naked <laughs> Do you like to get naked? Are you are you interested in going to the nude beach? Like how much of a how much of a leap would that be for you? How much outside of your comfort zone is that for you? It might be that it's just normal. Like there are some people that are just nudists. I mean that that we now know that the full range of humans are out there. So there are humans that just go out naked and they say I'm going to go around naked until I get arrested in public spaces. So there are people like that. They get into a lot of trouble and they get, well, some of them get very famous for it as well. <laughs> and then other people would say, no, I would never get naked. I'm not even comfortable with my, I'm not even comfortable with my girlfriend or boyfriend seeing me naked. Like even when we're having sex, I'm sort of covering up certain parts. So you can use going to the nude beach to open up your sex life. And feel more comfortable with your partner. That's another way of looking at it. So, I think that's enough to chew on for now. And it's just definitely been fun to talk about nudity. I'll go to the nude beach. Maybe maybe in a couple of days. Depends on the weather. It's actually coming into the pretty cold period now. In Australia, where we are. And if you are lucky enough to live somewhere in the world that has a beach, well then, you're lucky enough to probably have a nude beach as well. And and the really lucky ones are the ones where you can go to any beach and it's okay to be naked. Those are the really lucky countries. I don't know what countries there are. I think there's some in Europe. If you're European, you can get away with a lot more. So tell me where that is and I'll come visit. So, as always, we finish with sitting quietly. So, if it's comfortable for you to do so, 
Just stop what you're doing. Sit down and close your eyes. Take a few deep breaths. And just relax. And just notice the different parts of your body. And notice how your clothes are fitting on you. Notice where the clothes are heavy. Notice where they're pulling, where there's a slight pull. Notice where there's a slight restricting. Notice where they're moving in this, on the skin as you breathe. And just notice how it feels to be in those clothes and what sort of shape the clothes are putting your body into. And notice the edge of your clothes, where you have the skin that isn't covered by clothes, going down unto, under unto where there is some clothing. It might be around your hands or around your neck where your collar is. Notice how the skin feels where there are no clothes, where you have exposed skin. Just notice how that feels. And compare it to another part that might have clothes covering it. And just take your time to sit quietly and explore these feelings and practice noticing how it feels to wear clothes. And that's all I have to say for now.